Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of The World of Percy Jackson. In this episode we're going to read chapters 3 to 4 and in the previous episode we read chapters 1 to 2 and basically the chapter had gone over how the rest of the crew had kind of lost their sense of identity and connection because of Percy and Annabeth now being gone and now they needed to figure out how exactly they're going to get themselves together and how exactly they're going to be able to formulate a plan in order to reach the other side of the doors of death of that Percy and Annabeth are currently traveling towards to. But on their way, they meet some Numina, and that creates a lot of messy stuff, and it essentially ends up with Hazel meeting Arian once again, and getting on his getting on the horse's back to run straight into the storm. So now we're going to see how exactly they're going to survive. That as we read chapter 3, Hazel. The storm swallowed the hill in a swirling cone of black vapor. Arian charged straight into it. Hazel found herself at the summit, but it felt like a different dimension. The world lost its color. The walls of the storm encircled the hill in murky black. The sky churned gray. The crumbling ruins were bleached so white they almost glowed. Even Arian had turned from caramel brown to a dark shade of ash. In the eye of the tempest, the air was still. Hazel's skin tingled coolly, as if she'd been rubbed with alcohol. In front of her, an arched gateway led through mossy walls into some sort of enclosure. Hazel couldn't see much through the gloom, but she felt a presence within, as if she were a chunk of iron close to a large magnet. Its pull was irresistible, dragging her forward. Yet she hesitated. She reined in Arian and he clopped impatiently, the ground cackling under his hooves crackling under his hooves. Wherever he stepped, the grass, dirt, and stones turned white like frost. Hazel remembered the Hubbard Glacier in Alaska, how the surface had cracked under their feet. She remembered the floor of that of that horrible cavern in Rome crumbling to dust, plunging Percy and Edwith into Tartarus. She hoped this black and white hilltop wouldn't dissolve under her, but she decided it was best to keep moving. Let's go then, boy. Her voice sounded muffled, as if she were speaking into a pillow. Arian trotted through the stone archway. Ruined walls bordered a square courtyard about the size of a tennis court. Three other gateways, one in the middle of each wall, led north, east, and west. In the center of the yard, two cobblestone paths intersected, making a cross. Mist hung in the air, hazy shreds of white that coiled and undulated as as if they were alive. Not mist, Hazel realized. The mist. All her life, she'd heard about the mist, the supernatural veil that obscured the world of myth from the sight of mortals. It could deceive humans, even demigods, into seeing monsters as harmless animals or gods as regular people. Hazel had never thought of it as an actual smoke. But as she watched it curling around Arian's legs, floating through the broken arches of the ruined courtyard, the hair stood up on her arms. Somehow she knew this white stuff was pure magic. In the distance, a dog howled. Arian wasn't usually scared of anything, but he reared, huffing nervously. It's okay. Hazel stroked his neck. We're in this together. I'm gonna get down. All right? She slid off Arian's back. Instantly, he turned and ran. Arian, wait! But he already disappeared the way he'd come. So much for being in this together. Another howl cut through the air, closer this time. Hazel stepped toward the center of the courtyard. The mist clung to her like freezer fog. Hello? She called. 
Hello, a voice answered. The pale figure of a woman appeared at the northern gateway. No, wait. She stood at the eastern entrance. No, the western. Three smoky images of the same woman moved in unison toward the center of the ruins. Her form was blurred, made from mist, and she was trailed by two smaller wisps of smoke, darting at her heels like animals. Some sort of... pets? She reached the center of the courtyard, and her three forms merged into one. She solidified into a young woman in a dark sleeveless gown. Her golden hair was gathered into a high-set ponytail, ancient Greek style. Her dress was so silky it seemed to ripple, as if the cloth were ink spilling off her shoulders. She looked no more than twenty, but Hazel knew that it meant nothing. Hazel Levesque, said the woman. She was beautiful, but deathly pale. Once back in New Orleans, Hazel had been forced to attend a wake for a dead classmate. She remembered the lifeless body of the young girl in the open casket. Her face had been made up prettily, as if she were resting, which Hazel had found terrifying. This woman reminded Hazel of that girl, except the woman's eyes were open and completely black. When she tilted her head, she seemed to break into three people again, misty afterimages blurring together like a photograph of someone moving too fast to capture. Who are you? Hazel's fingers twitched at the hilt of her sword. I mean, which goddess? Hazel was sure of that much. This woman radiated power. Everything around them, the swirling mist, the monochromatic storm, the eerie glow of the ruins, was because of her presence. Ah, the woman nodded. Let me give you some light. She raised her hands. Suddenly, she was holding two old-fashioned reed torches, guttering with fire. The mist receded to the edge of the courtyard. At the woman's sandaled feet, the two wispy animals took on solid form. One was a black Labrador retriever. The other was a long, gray, furry rodent with a white mask around its face. A weasel, maybe? The woman smiled serenely. I'm Hecate, she said, goddess of magic. We have much to discuss if you're li- if you're to live through tonight. That's the end of chapter four. It was definitely pretty short, but I think that, you know, us being introduced to Hecate again, I think that's going to be quite a very fantastic spectacle to, you know, both read and think about. And I think that Arian proving as some sort of support for Hazel, not just physically, but mentally, is something that's really going to help her throughout her journey in this entire series, I think. that She's definitely had a past that no one could probably expect. And because of that... Sorry. And because of that, I think her perspective on life and her perspective perspective on things in general brings a new twist to it. Um, after the chapter, we're going to con- finish out the episode with chapter four. Unfortunately, I won't be able to do shoutouts or questions in this episode, but hopefully in the next episode, I will be able to. So keep your questions and shoutouts rolling, and I will try my best to answer all of them by- in the next episode. And we're back from the ads, and now we're going to read chapter four, Hazel. Hazel wanted to run, but her feet seemed stuck to the white glazed ground. 
On either side of the crossroads, two dark metal torch stands erupted from the dark like plant stalks. Hecate fixed her torches in them, then walked a slow circle around Hazel, regarding her as if they were partners in some eerie dance. The black dog and the weasel followed in her wake. You are like your mother. Hazel's throat constricted. You knew her? Of course. Marie was a fortune teller. She dealt in charms and curses and gri-gri. I am the goddess of magic. Those pure black eyes seemed to pull at Hazel as if trying to extract her soul. During her first lifetime in New Orleans, Hazel had been tormented by the kids at St. Agnes School because of her mother. They called Mary Levesque a witch. The nuns muttered that Hazel's mother was trading with the devil. If the nuns were scared of my mom, Hazel wondered, what would they make of this goddess? Many fear me, Hecate said, as if reading her thoughts. But magic is neither good nor evil. It is a tool, like a knife. Is a knife evil? Only if the wielder is evil. My mother, Hazel stammered. She didn't believe in magic. Not really. She was just faking it. For the money. The weasel chittered and bared its teeth, and it made a squeaking sound from its back end. Under other circumstances, a weasel passing gas might have been funny, but Hazel didn't laugh. The rodent's red eyes glared at her balefully like tiny coals. Peace, Gail, said Hecate. Hecate. She gave Hazel an apologetic shrug. Gail does not like heart hearing about non-believers and con artists. She herself was once a witch, you see. Your weasel was a witch? She's a polecat, actually, Hecate said. But yes, Gail was once a disagreeable human witch. She had personal, terrible personal hygiene, plus extreme ah, digestive issues. Hecate waved her hand in front of her nose. It gave my other followers a bad name. Okay. Hazel tried not to look at the weasel. She really did not want to know about the rodent's intestinal problems. At any rate, Hecate said, I turned her into a polecat. She's much better as a polecat. Hazel swallowed. She looked at the black dog, which was affectionately nuzzling the goddess's hand. And your Labrador? Oh, she's Hecuba, the former queen of Troy. Hecate said, as if that should be obvious. The dog grunted. You're right, Hakuba. The goddess said, we don't have time for long introductions. The point is, Hazel Levesque, your mother may have claimed not to believe, but she had true magic. Eventually, she realized this. When she, when she searched for a spell to summon the god Pluto, I helped her find it. You? Yes, Hecate continued circling Hazel. I saw potential in your mother. I see even more potential in you. Hazel's head spun. She remembered her mother's confession just before she had died. How she'd summoned Pluto. How the god had fallen in love with her. And how, because of her greedy, greedy wish, her daughter Hazel had been born with a curse. Hazel could summon riches from the earth, but anyone who used them would suffer and die. Now this goddess was saying that she had made all that happen. My mother suffered because of that magic. My whole life, your life wouldn't have happened without me, Hecate said flatly. I have no time for your anger. Neither do you. 
Without my help, you will die. The black dog snarled. The polecat snapped its teeth and passed gas. Hazel felt like her lungs were filling with hot sand. What kind of help? She demanded. Hecate raised her pale arms. The three gateways she'd come from, north, east, and west, began to swirl with mist. A flurry of black and white images glowed and flickered like the old silent movies that were still playing in theaters sometimes when Hazel was small. In the western dormitory doorway, Roman and Greek demigods in full armor fought one another on a hillside under a large pine tree. The grass was strewn with the wounded and dying. Hazel saw herself riding Arian, charging through the melee and shouting, trying to stop the violence. In the gateway to the east, Hazel saw the Argon II plunging through the sky above the Apennines. His rigging was in the flames, a boulder smashed into the quarterdeck, another punch through the hull. The ship burst like a rotten pumpkin and the engine exploded. The images in the northern doorway were even worse. Hazel saw Leo, unconscious or dead, falling through the clouds. She saw Frank staggering alone down a dark tunnel, clutching his arm, his shirt soaked in blood. And Hazel saw herself in a vast cavern filled with strands of light like a luminous web. She was struggling to break through while, in the distance, Percy and Annabeth laid sprawled and unmoving at the foot of two black and silver metal doors. Choices, said Hackety. You stand at the crossroads, Hazel Levesque, and I am the goddess of crossroads. The ground rumbled at Hazel's feet. She looked down and saw the glint of silver coins. Thousands of old Roman denarii breaking the surface all around her, as if the entire hilltop was coming to a boil. She'd been so agitated by the visions in the doorways that she must have summoned every bit of silver in the surrounding countryside. The past is close to the surface in this place, Hecate said. In ancient times, two great Roman roads met here. News was exchanged, markets were held, friends met, and enemies fought. Entire enemies had to choose a direction. Crossroads are always place of decision. Like, like Janus. Hazel remembered the shrine of Janus on Temple Hill back at Camp Jupiter. Debbie gods would go there to make decisions. They would flip a coin, heads or tails, and hope the two-faced god would guide them well. Hazel had always hated that place. She never understood why her friends would be so willing to let a god take away their responsibility for choosing. After all, Hazel had been through. She trusted the wisdom of the gods about as much as she trusted a New Orleans slot machine. The goddess of magic made a disgusted hiss. Janice at his doorways. He would have had you believe that all choices are black or white, yes or no, in or out. In fact, it's not that simple. When you, whenever you reach the crossroads, there are always at least three ways to go. Four, if you count going backward. You are such, you are at such a crossing now, Hazel. Hazel looked again at East Swirling Gateway, a demigod war, the destruction of the Ark of the Second, disaster for herself and her friends. All the choices are bad. All choices have risks, the goddess corrected. But what is your goal? My goal? Hazel waved helplessly at the doorways. None of these. The dog Hakuba snarled. Gale the polecat polecat skittered around the goddess's feet, farting and gnashing his her teeth. You could go backward, Hecate suggested. Retrace your steps to Rome. Maybe Gaia's forces are expecting that. None of you will survive. So... What are you saying? 
Hegarty stepped to the nearest torch. She, she scooped a handful of fire and sculpted the flames until she was holding a miniature relief, relief map of Italy. You could go west. Hecate let her finger drift away from her firing map. Go back to America with your prize, the Athena Parthenos. Your comrades back home, Greek and Roman, are on the brink of war. Leave now, and you might save many lives. Might, Hazel repeated. But Gaia is supposed to wake in Greece. That's where the giants are gathering. True, Gaia has set the date of August 1st, the Feast of Spes, goddess of hope, for her rise to power. By waking on the Day of Hope, she intends to destroy all hope forever. Even if you reach Greece by then, could you stop her? I don't know. Hegarty traced her finger along the chops of the fiery Apennines. You could go east, across the mountains, but Gaia will do anything to stop you from crossing Italy. She has raised her mountain gods against you. <laughs> we noticed, Hazel said. Any attempt to cross the Apennines will mean the destruction of your ship. Ironically, this might be the safest option for your crew. I foresee that all of you would survive the explosion. It is possible, though, unlikely you could still reach Epirus and close the doors of death. You might find Gaia there and prevent her rise, but by then both demigod camps will be destroyed. You would not have any home to return to. Hecate smiled. More likely, the destruction of your ship would strand you in the mountains. It would mean the end of your quest, but it would spare you and your friends much pain and suffering in the days to come. The war with the giants would have been worn won or lost without you won or lost without us a small guilty part of hazel found that appealing she'd been wishing for the chance to be a normal girl she didn't want any more pain or suffering for herself and her friends they'd already been going through so much she looked behind hecate at the middle gateway she saw percy and annabeth sprawled helplessly before those black and white silver doors a massive dark shape, vaguely humanoid, now loomed over them, its foot raised as if to crush Percy. What about them? Percy, Hazel asked, her voice ragged. Percy and Annabeth? Hegarty shrugged. West, east, or south, they die. Not an option, Hazel said. Then you only have one path, though it is the most dangerous. Hegarty's finger crossed her miniature Apennines, leaving a gold glowing white line in the red flames. There's a secret pass here in the north, a place where I hold sway, where Hannibal once crossed when he marched against Rome. The goddess made a wide loop to the top of Italy, then east of the sea, then down along the western coast of Greece. Once through the pass, he would have to travel north to Bologna. Bologna? Bologna. And then to Venice. From there, sail the Ad Ad Adriatic to your goal. Here, Epirus in Greece. Hazel didn't know much about geography. She had no idea what the Adri Adriatic Sea was like. She never heard of Bol Bologna, and all she knew about Venice was vague stories about candles and gondolas. But one thing was obvious. That's so far out of the way. Which is why Gaia will not expect you to take this route, Hecate said. I can obscure your progress somewhat, but the success of your journey will depend on you, Hazel Levesque. You must learn how to use the mist. Me? Hazel's heart felt like it was tumbling down to her ribcage. Use the mist now? Hegney extinguished her map of his Italy. She flicked her hand at the top at the black dog, Hakuba. Mist collected around the Labrador until she was completely hidden in a cocoon of white. The fog cleared with an audible poof. 
Where the dog had stood with a disgruntled looking black kitten with golden eyes. Meow, it complained. I am the goddess of the mist, Hecate explained. I'm responsible for keeping the evil that separates the world of the gods from the world of the morals. My children learn to use the mist to the advantage, to create illusions or influence the minds of mortals. Other demigods can do this as well, and so must you. Hazel, if you are to help your friends. But Hazel looked at the cat. She knew it was actually Hakuba, the black Labrador, but she couldn't convince herself. The cat seemed so real. I can't do that. Your mother had a talent, Hecate said. You have even more. As a child of Pluto who has returned from the dead, you understand the veal between worlds better than most. You can control the mist. If you do not, your brother Nico has already warned you. The spirits have whispered to him, told him about your future. When you reach the house of Hades, you will meet a formidable enemy. She cannot be overcome by strength or sword. You alone will defeat her and you will require magic. Hazel's legs were felt wobbly. She remembered Nico's grim expression, his fingers digging into her arm. You can't tell anyone. Not yet. Their courage is already stretched to limit. Who? Hazel said. Who is this enemy? I will not speak her name, Hecate said. That would alert her to your presence before you're ready to face her. Go north, Hazel. As you travel, practice summoning the mist. When you arrive in Bologna, seek out the two dwarfs. They'll lead you to a treasure that may help you survive in the house of Hades. I don't understand. Meow? The kin complained. Yes, yes, Hakuba. The goddess flickered her hand again and the cat disappeared. The black Labrador was back in its place. You will understand, Hazel. The goddess promised. From time to time, I will send Gale to check on your progress. The polycat hissed, its beady red eyes full of malice. Wonderful, Hazel muttered. Before you reach Epirus, you must be prepared, Hecate said. If you succeed, then perhaps we'll meet again for the final battle. Wonderful. Hazel wondered if she could prevent the revelations that she saw in the mist. Leo falling through the sky, Frank stumbling through the dark, alone and gravely and gravely wounded, Percy and Annabeth at the mercy of a dark giant. She hated the gods' riddles and their unclear advice. She was trying to despise Crossroads. Why are you helping me? Hazel demanded. At Camp Jupiter, they said you sided with the Titans in the last war. Hagedy's dark eyes glinted. Because I am a Titan, daughter of Perseus and Assyria. Long before the Olympians came to power, I ruled the mist. Despite this, in the first Titan war millennia ago, I sided with Zeus against Kronos. I was not blind to Kronos' cruelty. I hoped Zeus would prove to be a better king. She gave a small, bitter laugh. When Demeter lost her daughter Persephone, kidnapped by your father, I guided Demeter through the darkest night with my torches, helping her search, and when the giants rose the first time, I again sided with the gods. I fought my arch-enemy, Clytius, made by Gaia to absorb and defeat all my magic. Clytius. Hazel had never heard that name. Clay? Cly? Clay? T.S. 
But saying it made her limbs feel heavy. She glanced at the images in the northern doorway. The massive dark shape looking over, looming over Percy and Annabeth. Is he the threat in the house of Hades? Oh, he waits for you there, Hecate said. But first you must wait to defeat the witch, unless you manage to do that. She snapped her fingers and all the gateways turned dark. The mist dissolved, the images were gone. We all face choices, the goddess said. When Kronos arose the second time, I made a mistake. I supported him. I had grown tired of being ignored by the so-called major gods. Despite my years of faithful service, they mistrusted me, refused me a seat in their hall. The police, the polecat gale chittered uh, angrily. It does not matter anymore, the goddess sighed. <sighs> I made peace again with Olympus. Even now when they are laid now, the Greek and Roman personas fighting each other. I'll help them, Greek or Roman. I've always been one Hecate. I will assist you against the giants if you prove yourself worthy. Now is your choice, Hazel Levesque. Will you trust me or will you shun me as the Olympian gods have done too often? Blood roared in Hazel's ears. Could she have trusted this dark goddess who'd given her mother the magic that had ruined her life? Sorry. No. She didn't much like her Hecate's dog on her glassy polecat either. But she also knew she couldn't let Percy and Annabeth die. I'll go north, she said. We'll take your secret, secret pass through the mountains. Hecate nodded, the slightest hint of satisfaction in her face. You've chosen well through the path will not be easy. Many monsters will rise against you. Even some of my own servants have sided with Gaia, hoping to destroy your moral world. The goddess took her double torches from their stands. Prepare yourselves, daughter of Pluto. If you succeed against the witch, we will meet again. I'll succeed, Isil promised. We're going to rescue our friends from Tartarus. We're going to keep the crew and the ship together. And we're going to stop Camp Jupiter and Camp Half-Blood from going to war. We're going to do it all. The storm howled. The black walls of the funnel clouds swirling faster. Interesting, Hecate said, as if Hazel were an unexpected result in the science experiment. That would be magic worth seeing. Alone in the ruins except for Arian, who paced next to her, nickering impatiently. I agree, Hazel told the horse. Let's get out of here. What happened? Leo asked as Hazel climbed aboard the Argo II. Hazel's hand still shook from her talk with the goddess. She glanced over the rail and saw the dust of Arian's wake stretching across the hills of Italy. She had hoped her friend would stay, but couldn't blame him for wanting to get away from this place as fast as possible. The countryside sparkled as the summer sun his, hit the morning dew. On the hill, the old ruins stood, White and silent, no sign of, an eye, of a client's past, or goddesses, or farting weasels. Hazel? Nico asked. Her knees buckled. Nico and Leo grabbed her arms and helped her to the steps of the foredeck. She felt embarrassed, collapsing like some fairy tale damsel, but her energy was gone. The memory of those glowing scenes at the crossroads filled her with dread. I'm at Hecate, she managed. She didn't tell them everything. She remembered what Nico had said. The courage is already stretched to the limit. But she told him about the secret northern pass through the mountains and the detour. Hecate described the mountains could take them to Eberus. When she was done, Nico took her hand and her, his eyes were full of concern. Hazel, 
you met Hegarty at a crossroads. That's... That's something many demigods don't survive. And the ones who do survive are never the same. And you sure you're... I'm fine. Don't worry about it. But she knew she wasn't. She remembered how bold and airy she felt, telling the goddess she'd find her own path and succeed at everything. Now her boast seemed ridiculous. Her courage had abandoned her. What is... What if Hegarty's tricking us? Leo asked. This route could... Sorry. What if Hegarty's tricking us? Leo asked. This route could be a trip. Hazel shook her head. If it was a trap, I think Hegarty would have made the northern route sound tempting. Believe me, she didn't. Leo pulled a calculator out of his tool tool belt and punched in some numbers. That's something like 300 miles out of our way to get to Venice. Then we'd have to backtrack down the Adriatic and you say something about baloney dwarfs? Dwarfs and baloney, Hazel said. I said baloney is a city, but why do we have to find dwarfs there? I have no idea. Some sort of treasure to help us with the crust? Huh? Leah said. I mean, I'm all about treasure, but... It's our best option. Nico helped Hazel to her feet. We have to make up for the lost time. Travel as fast as we can. Percy's and Annabeth's lives might depend on it. Fast? Leo grinned. I can do fast. Here to the console and started flipping switches. Nico took Hazel's arm and guided her out of earshot. What else did Hercules say? Anything about... I can't. Hazel cut him off. The images she'd seen had almost overwhelmed her. Percy and Annabeth helpless at the feet of those black metal doors. The dark giant loom looming over men. Hazel herself trapped in a glowing maze of light, unable to sleep. You must defeat the witch, Hecate's head said. You alone can defeat her unless you manage that. The end. Hazel thought, all gateways closed. All hope extinguished. Nigo had warned her. He communed with the dead, heard them whispering about hints about their future. Two children of the underworld would enter the house of Hades. They would face an impossible foe. Only one of them would make it to the doors of death. Hazel couldn't meet her in her brother's eyes. I'll tell you later, she promised, trying to keep her voice from trembling. Right now, we should rest while we can. Tonight, we cross the Apennines. That's the end of chapter four. Wow, that was definitely a drastic change in terms of length of the chapters. But nevertheless, I completely enjoyed it. I think this chapter was more dedicated regarding the formulation and the planning of that. And I think that this... And planning is always really important when it comes to something like this. When it comes to, you know, in general, you know, what you're doing as a type of revenge. It's... When you look at those in movies, or at least in shows... It's very common for people to, you know, maybe formulate a plan and then try and come up with something that way. So it's definitely a very effective method. It's just we need to start um, thinking about how exactly the relationships between Hazel and everybody else is now going to be altered. You know, because now she has this whole fiasco with Hecate. I wonder how that's going to go. I hope you guys, but I hope you guys enjoyed this um episode it was definitely a very eventful one a very intriguing one and a very exciting one so yeah i really appreciate it uh one more thing is before you guys go is i have a link to my patreon in the bio my description it would mean a lot but it is optional so don't worry about it um 
And yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this as much as I did. And until next week, stay safe and stay out of boredom.